Hello everybody and welcome back to Tea Time with Heretics. I'm Acorn, it they, and today I am drinking, not a shocker, a can of monster. I am joined by these two absolute nerds and close friends of mine. I'm Mori, he they she. Uh, I've just got some water with me today. We've not been shopping yet. It's We've been busy, so we need to pick up more actual drinks later. Hello, I'm Bing. I have two drinks with me today. I have a combination of Earl Grey tea and hot chocolate, which is surprisingly good. And I have my water with me. And I use they them pronouns. Thank you very much. So, today we are going to be learning about, arguably, and this is impressive by like context of what 40k is, the worst human being to have ever lived. Wow, that is impressive coming from Warhammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, arguably the most evil man alive, which is saying something. <laughs> That's saying a lot considering the Emperor exists. Yes, but like, at least the Emperor was relatively put together. Like, at least the Emperor was relatively sane and had legitimate good intentions for humanity. He was just a totalitarian in the process. He wasn't even actually that much of a totalitarian. Like, compared to some real-world dictators that we've had. Uh, dick potatoes. <laughs> Acorn, this is no laughing matter, my friend. <laughs> um, but it is a man named... And I actually have to check the wiki here to double, to double check that I'm getting it right. Goj Vandaya. Goj? Goj Vandaya. I really want... I really want to... I can't do Photoshop, but I really want to get a picture of Doge and just slap no, this guy's no, face on there it. Is, there is. There is. If you're going <laughs> like to do it, go to Google thing. Images and go to Doge Vandaya, and there is, oh. there is so many fucking memes of it. I guess. Oh my god, it's the first thing that pops <laughs> yep, yep. up. It's, it's, a lot of it's because of uh, another podcast called Adeptus Ridiculous. Like, they have made a, like, five minute long anime edit of the the last stand of Doge Vandaya, and they got, like, actual anime voice actors to do it and everything. It's, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> I guess that despite his actions, he was in a very dire situation. <laughs> God, not again, Pig, not again! I've never seen that one, damn. <laughs> it's like 3D modeled and everything. <laughs> and he's on the naughty chair. He's on Repentia Throne. <laughs> Is Repentia Throne a thing? Uh, probably. The Sisters Repentia are, like, the punishment orders for for the Sisters of Battle and the Adeptus Sororitas. I swear, every single sister just needs therapy. Yeah, well, okay, no. All of the orders militant do, but we will, we will get to that in a second. Um, so starting off with the aftermath of the heresy... You had the last few remaining Primarchs, you had the entire galaxy fucking broken apart by civil war. 
eventually the last of the loyalist primarchs disappeared and with the last of the traitor primarchs disappearing into either disappeared or died with the last of the traitor primarchs just kind of like disappearing into the eye of terror to hide out and recover from their losses basically um I get getting wrecked. real cozy with slanesh get wrecked yeah real close ratio <laughs> <laughs> nothing <laughs> personnel you killed the emperor lamau seethe so yeah, following all of that kind of going horribly, horribly to shit, the, the Imperium was left in the hands of the one people that the Emperor thought he, the Imperium should never be entirely in the control of, and that is mortal kind. <laughs> He's seen how mortals go. Yeah, because for the entire point of the Emperor starting the Imperium and the Emperor making himself the Emperor is there would always be a uncorruptible guiding hand, the same guiding hand at the head of it. Well, maybe if he loved his kids. Maybe if he did love his kids, and maybe if he had a little bit of trust and faith in the people around him. <sighs> yeah. Honestly, And yeah. maybe if Logar didn't exist. Fucking yeah. Logar. God, I, I like... fucking hate Logar. I feel like him loving his children would have negated the vast majority yeah, fucking the of chair. all of this. No, yeah. they're not even his kids. Maybe if he loved himself. His, you know, his All clones. of himself. <laughs> if he didn't Honestly? just refer to them as fucking numbers. And the one he did ga- give a name to was like, no, I am not that. <laughs> he would, he, to be fair, he would call Horus Horus. Yeah, but Horus was his little golden child, and Horus is the one that fucking killed him! Yeah. And also, Horus has the name Hor in his name. <laughs> hey, we don't slut shame in this house. We don't We're not slut, slut shaming. We're just calling him a whore. Yeah, like, it's fine. It's fun. Whore slash pause. Absolutely support it. It's just we can make fun of it. Yeah, that's fair. I'll take that. Look, we, we, look if we don't kink or slut shame, like, Fucking Fulgrim. Horus is nothing to worry about. Exactly. Yeah. Ironically, I feel like Fulgrim is the one that we should shame for. I He's feel like it. Fulgrim would be too into that, and I don't want to deal with that kind of mess. It's too <laughs> sticky and doesn't taste good. But Sango Pop. I really wish you guys could see the face I just pulled. It was one of those ooh kind of faces. <laughs> Hard agree. I also very much love that you have also started calling him Sango Pop. I, it I've started so calling him pleasure. Sango Pop to our fucking like crusade group. <laughs> How did it go over? They just kind of went with it. Luckily, <laughs> I'm so glad they didn't ask like twenty questions because I would not be prepared for that, man. <laughs> I mean, it's only one question being who's Sango Pop, and then potentially a follow up question being why, and the answers to those questions are sanguineous and for the funny. <laughs> yeah, that's too many questions, Maury. Additionally, one of the other big issues that was kind of that came about after the heresy is the fact that the Lectitio Divinitatis, the holy book that had, uh, Logar had originally written about the emperor, had very heavily kind of spread like wildfire, basically, especially following the emperor's death and martyrdom, and it v- without him in control of everything, it very quickly spread and became a very, very major kind of force, eventually resulting in the founding of the Ecclesiarchy, which is the technical name 
for the the church that is in command of the imperial creed or the imperial cult. So it turned into a theocracy. Got it. Not so it quite, turned into America. Actually. Got it. Yes. <laughs> it didn't. I turn would into say a... Al, but that's too true. Yeah. <laughs> it it didn't turn into a theocracy because the ecclesiarchy was opposed by the administratum. Now, the administratum is the collective name for basically the bureaucratic beating heart of the Imperium. They are the first force of the Adeptus Terra, which is the kind of like collective name for all of the government forces of the Imperium. The administratum houses things like the High Lords of Terra, they command the Adeptus Astronomica, they communicate with the Navis Nobilitae, the uh, Navigators Guilds, they run the Adeptus Munitorium, all of that kind of shit. Everything goes back to the Adeptus Administratum. They are the head of the government, and most importantly, they have the High Lords of Terror, which is effectively the, the council electorate of typically like about a dozen or so people who are in control of everything. And the High Lords of Terror is a very important name. I think I've mentioned those before. Typically, they are made up out of a few different people. Every time you say High Lords of Terror, I hear High Lords of Terror, as in the feeling terror. Um, I think that's part of the joke. Yeah, and I'm like, this seems scarily fitting. Yeah. Depending on who holds the position of High Lord, typically there is the Master of the Administratum, who is, like, the head of the Administratum, equivalent to the Prime Minister, effectively. There's the representative of the Inquisition. There's the Ecclesiarch, who is the head of the Ecclesiarchy. The Fabricator General of the Adeptus Mechanicus. The Provost Marshal of the Adeptus Arbites, which is effectively the Imperium's police force. The Patronoval Envoy of the Navigators Guild. The Master of the Astronomicon. The Grand Master of the Officio Assassinorum. You can guess what that is. And the Master of the Adeptus Astrotelepathica, which are the... Uh, astropaths and the communicators. Hold on, what did you say? I said they like to play chess. They do like to play chess. They actually really do like to play chess. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, with the Those nine are almost always represented on the High Council of Terror, with the last three positions typically being filled out of something like the Lord Commander uh, or the Commander Militant of the Imperial Guard, uh, Cardinals of the Holy Synod, um, the Captain General of the Custodes, for example, or the Lord High Admiral of the Imperial Navy, something like that, basically. Those three typically fill in the last few positions. I have to ask, is the Imperial Navy as queer-coded as the American Navy? I don't actually know that much about the Imperial Navy, but quite possibly. Because, like, we all know the, like, Friends with Dorothy joke, but very recently... I have been made aware that village people, the same people who made YMCA, made a recruitment video for the Navy, and it is so queer-coded. And apparently- Is that where the song In the Navy comes from? Yes, that is exactly Uh. the song. I recently watched the video. It's so queer-coded, and it's apparently- 
according to a few different sources, one of, if not the best recruitment periods that the Navy has ever seen. How the fuck do the village... What? Village people, yeah. That's actually hilarious. The irony, my my dad was in the Navy. This is what makes the whole, like... The Navy this is, is for the American thing. Navy, which the, is very the stereotype different. has drifted yeah, over. Yeah, the stereotype persists, but, but my dad still, was also the in the Navy, and it's part of why we legitimately think that he was a closeted homosexual. My brother's in the Navy. My condolences. <laughs> um, I would say more, but then we would have to either cut out the video, or I might be attacked by the government. <laughs> I'd tell you more, but then I'd have to kill you. Basically, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it totally. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's the, the High Lords of Terror. They control the Administratum, and then below them there's like the Lesser Lords, which is more like a Senate kind of thing, uh, and then that kind of like spreads out into the rest of the government, effectively. The Ecclesiarchy, headed by the Ecclesiarch and all of the Cardinals and such, effectively the, um, the Vatican, I suppose, was the other most powerful like single force in the Imperium. They had a very significant amount of political power for a very, very long time because they commanded a hell of a lot of zealous faith and belief and ideology from their followers. So they were able to force a lot of political change with their following because they could have their cardinals like tell people what to vote and what to do. Yeah. Um, um, the administrative... Real, real quick, how many known parallels to how the Catholic Church are there, like, on the individual priest level. I don't think it's worth trying to list them, as there are too many. I'm specifically thinking of, you know, the abuse. Quite a lot, probably. I'm not entirely certain on that. That's not the kind of thing that I think the lore explicitly dives into very often, but... It's well known that like the 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 munitorium the ministorium sorry and the ecclesiarchy is like incredibly fucking corrupt. So yeah, I mean, I did always joke that Orion could have gone down one or two ways of that army. They either could have gone vampire, kink, or religious trauma, and they chose religious trauma. They chose religion. In fairness, they chose religious trauma because they didn't know that there were the vampire kink ones. No, yet. no, I'm. I'm not letting them get away with this because there was like three reasons why they yeah they didn't know about the blood angels but there was three reasons why they chose the adeptus Serratus. one the hot ladies two some of those hot ladies have wings three religious trauma <laughs> that's it yeah no i i can't fault that entire at all actually i would like to to point out that i have uh the objectively best takes you have the objectively worst faction. And also, can I just point out, you chose the very faction that Nando would choose. Yeah, but I'm better than Nando. Are you? Are you really? Yes, I am. Anyway, mm, so obviously there, was, <laughs> obviously there was a lot of tension between the administratum and the ecclesiarchy. because um, No, hang on, the, hang on. We're still bullying you here. <laughs> because the the, the first faction, no, the first faction you chose was the fucking Harlequins. Yeah, objectively the hardest army to paint, 
but I powered through it like a fucking chat. <laughs> and if you look, you, you can't see like what them. I'm doing. Like the fuckboy face, and I'm I'm flexing. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Not surprised at all. <laughs> Talk about a clown. Hey, clowns make good money. Thank you very much. Not enough to survive in this economy. You'd be surprised. No, no I know they make a lot of money, but still, cost of living is just so disgustingly high that they can't survive anymore. Damn, the clowns are no longer blossoming in spring. I know it's unfortunate. Ron also, is very you sad. literally chose the most taboo. Like out of all of the Eldar, you chose the most taboo you could do. So much so that if people get touched by a Harlequin, they will yeet themselves off of the nearest cliff. No, no. It is only the solitaire that people will like immediately commit suicide if they get touched by them. The rest of the Harlequins <laughs> just make people uncomfortable. And that tells you all you need to know about Mori. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the Harks as much as I would love to. Um, maybe obviously, next episode. Maybe next episode. Obviously, the Ecclesiarchy and the Administratum had a lot of beef with each other. They were constantly trying, like, the Ecclesiarchy was trying to push policy and legislation and lobby for, like, government changes and all that shit. The Administratum hated that the Ecclesiarchy had so much power over the people. And basically, the Administratum's solution to this was to tax the living shit out of the Ecclesiarchy and, like, force them out of politics, basically. The church um, the... paid taxes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, wow. for not for long. This is a fantasy story. <laughs> no, not for long. Um, the Ecclesiarchy obviously didn't like this very much, so they moved their kind of headquarters off of Earth for a while. Uh, of course they fucking did. They had to go offshore. To Yeah, basically <laughs> offshore to a different planet called Aphelius 7. Um, for what a few millennia, the they were there. Say again. What happened to the first suit? I mean, it's just the seventh planet in the Aphelia system. For a few millennium then, since they had physical a lot of distance from the heart of the administratum, they were able to start building up a lot more power again. Uh, and they basically started building up a hell of a lot of power, a hell of a lot of wealth. They started tack like demanding a massive amount of tithes from the people and from the believers. And then this eventually put them back into conflict with the administratum because the administratum was taxing the people to run the government and the ecclesiarchy was taxing the people to run the ecclesiarchy and build their palaces and their statues and everything eventually the ecclesiarchy moved back to terror and then we come to the 36th millennium about halfway between the heresy and now and we come to the election of a man named goge vandire the 361st High Lord of the Administratum. So this is the head of the Administratum. He had a seat on the High Lords of Terror. He was arguably, unarguably one of the most powerful men alive. Unfortunately, he was alive. Unfortunately, he was alive. Goj Vandaya was a brutally efficient man in that... He had. He was so good at his job as a politician that he had ran completely unelected at every point in opportunity. He had a meteoric rise. Uh, unelected or unopposed? Yeah, unelected. Un sorry, a uh, bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he stood completely unopposed, basically at every opportunity. 
Uh, he was constantly getting promotions after promotions after promotions. He had a meteoric rise through the ranks, like, faster than basically anyone else ever had. Uh, he was remarkably good at what he had done. Uh, remarkably and good at And hiding politician. his murders? Yes. It is believed that Gojo Van Dyer was effectively, like, the Victor Hugo of assassination, if you understand what I mean. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, for the people who don't know, because I absolutely love this fact, um, when the poet and author Victor Hugo died, I think he wrote Les Mis, every brothel in Paris took a day off in mourning to attend his funeral. It is believed, like, actually believed, that Victor Hugo had more sex than any other human being to have ever lived. (laughs) I... Also very much like the idea that, no, he didn't have any sex, he was just ace, and he just made friends uh, with all of them. Like, he's paid them for their time and then, like, actually made friends with all of them. Either way, ace, the sex workers got paid. Ace trans mask Victor Hugo fanfiction. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm sure it exists. I, I know someone who would probably write that if it doesn't. Anyway, um, uh, Gauge Van Dyer killed so many people. <laughs> and just got away with it. Yeah, because the second anyone would even s- suppose the idea, is Gauge Van Dyer assassinating people? Uh, they would just mysteriously disappear or be found dead the next morning. <laughs> they would be assassinated. He also Shocking. paid off a lot of people. Uh, he he had a very big part in playing the election of Ecclesiarch Paulus III, who was a very incompetent man, who uh, Van Dyer basically was able to puppet. So more or less, he had full control of the administratum. He had the, the head seat on the High Council of Terror. He had... He, he basically had the Ecclesiarch in his pocket. A few years after this, he got bored of having the Ecclesiarch in his pocket, so he took a load of Imperial Guard officers to the Ecclesiarchal Palace, declared Ecclesiarch Paulus III a heretic, and then shot him in what was effectively <laughs> a military coup. At which point, he, he then did. took his hat and declared himself the Ecclesiarch. <laughs> <laughs> meaning he was simultaneously the High Lord of the Administratum and the Ecclesiarch, meaning by himself he held two of the twelve seats, as well as complete control of the two largest, most influential, and most politically powerful organizations in the Imperium. Why does this feel very much like the Pope bringing down the Holy Roman Empire and then taking over the Holy Roman Empire? Because that's exactly what it is. Like, in modern context, this is the fucking... This is the Pope walking into the Oval Office, shooting Biden, and declaring himself the President of the United States. (laughs) But there's no hat involved in that story. There's it, no hat. Okay, American sorry, like flip side. Hat. It's, it's, it's Biden it's walking into the Vatican and, and taking the Pope hat. There we go. You wouldn't do that. He's Irish. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It, it would be more applicable if it happened during the Trump administration, but you get what I mean anyway. Yes. <laughs> Still. I feel I'm like Trump would Irish do joke. that. He actually would as well. He, he would, unfortunately. Yeah. Still, it's it's funny, oh. right? Fuck. No, we complete and utter side note. But you know how the Pope drives around in the well, gets driven around in the Pope Mobile. He fucking hates that it's called the Pope Mobile. <laughs> I know, which is why I will always and only ever call it that. 
obviously that that's because there was an assassination attempt on the Pope. The yeah. thing is, is, is this the cars thing? Yes, is the cars thing. Cars yeah. Thing? <laughs> yes, yeah. in cars, the cars Pope drives around in a cars Pope mobile, implying so, that there was like the 2007 assassination attempt. Can we just talk about how Maury stole my fun cool little fact thing? How dare I'm you? Sorry. I'm sorry. We must have a coup. We must take over the podcast. Ah! We must steal your hat! We will take your hat! <laughs> you leave my beanie the fuck alone, motherfucker. I'm the reason your beanie's fixed, motherfucker! That's entirely valid. Thank you very much for repairing my beanie. You're welcome, it was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, at this point... Too, I love you recently. <laughs> That's gay. I love you too, man. So it's at this point, gay. Doge Van Dyer was the most powerful human being alive. And it very, very quickly became increasingly clear that Ghost Van Dyer was completely insane. Quick question. You said Go this on. is before the heresy, right? No, this is this is 36,000? Like, the 36th millennium? This is like five, five 6,000 years after the heresy. Oh, you said before earlier. <laughs> Did I? Yeah! <laughs> Shit. No. Okay, I gave the date anyways. Yeah, no. This is this is long after the heresy. No, yeah, because I said like the heresy had finished, the emperor was dead, the primarchs died, the ecclesiarchy kind of became the church and everything. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. No, you said that and then when you said I know a little bit more date, than I used to, but I still about, don't know. You said, oh, "Am I dumb? Am I wrong? I might be wrong." I thought I said after, but I might have. It's entirely possible. You said something about being so, something was halfway between like the imperium and the heresy. Oh no, between the heresy and the modern day. Oh yeah, that's not what you said! <laughs> or like, between the heresy and the Imperium now, maybe. I, I don't fucking know. Uh, as, as time went by, it became increasingly clear that Van Dyer was completely fucking insane. To quote Lexicanum, he was a paranoid megalomaniac who saw traitors and conspiracy everywhere. He, he was firmly believed that if it was not a heresy, he, like, I, f I firmly believe that if it was not a heresy for him to do, he would have declared himself emperor. Right. He had a whole team of scribes who stood around him every waking second of every day and every night to record every word and every utterance that he made, and then, like, compare notes with each other for holy implication, basically, from, from what he was doing, because it was so important and it had to be followed and it had to be listed. He had a violently shifting mood that would swing from, like, megalomaniacal laughter to insane sprees of extreme hyper-violence, basically. Like, he would personally It's Tavman! Tavman? Tav... Tav... Tavgarian? Tav Tav I, I can't read his name, so I just shorten it to Tavman. Taravangian? Taravangian! Is that how you say it? <laughs> yes, Taravangian from Stormlight. Yeah, I shorten it to Tavman. <laughs> Holy, yeah, basically. I, I get that as well. <laughs> he was completely fucking nuts. Like, he would... Also, those scribes and those scholars that were following him around, if they were listening too closely to what he was saying, he would torture and kill them for spying on him. <laughs> but... But he wants them to... Yep. Yep. But... Wow. Yep. Imagine but... getting a promotion, being like, hey, you're now one of the scribes, you get to go and write down every single thing that this person says, and then you go, and the first day on the job, you are listening very intently because you want to make sure that you don't fuck up on the job and you get killed for it. Yep. I feel like Honestly, I could weaponize my ADHD to do that job well. Potentially. Me too. But also, like, I feel like I've worked for worse bosses. 
Yeah, yeah, God knows. He was entirely fucking insane. He was batshit fucking crazy. And it's like, there is an entire chunk here. I'm not sure how old he was when he became High Lord of the Administratum, or Ecclesiarch, but he lived for another 70 years afterwards. So, like, at youngest, he was, like, 90 when he died. Realistically, he could have been up to, like, 140 or so, because it is known that his life was, like, significantly extended by, by... technology and, like, augmentation and shit. There was barely any man left of that monster by the time he died. Um, Yeah. But that entire period was called the Reign of Blood. In the history of the Imperium of... Yeah, in the history of the Imperium of Mankind, how bad do you have to be for your 70-year rule to be called the Reign of Blood? Apparently very. Yeah, it's the stitch diagram. It's like, your badness is like this high, except the whole page is red. (laughs) Yep. Badness levels and usually high for a person of your size. (laughs) (laughs) A couple examples of um, things given here that he done. Uh, There's the bombardment of... That he did, or that he ordered. The bombardment (laughs) of Hiveworld Kalana 7. A Hiveworld is a human planet that has the entire surface, basically... Like hype, the entire surface of the planet is hyper urbanized and turned into like massive hundreds of meters. So like tall, Coruscant, like, Star blocks. Wars. Yeah, it's Coruscant. That's a hive city, hive hive planet. Sorry, H- hive planets can comfortably have a population numbering in like almost two hundred billion, maybe. See, you Minimum said hive, and I was like millions. Tyranids. Why is it a bad thing that he bombed the nids? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, million, sorry, minimum of, like, 20 billion for a hive planet. Minimum. Yeah, the complete orbital bombardment of the innocent world of Kalana 7, without any reason, ordering them to invade the farmlands of Boreas Minor and enslave every female child under the age of 12. Melting huh. the ice oh, caps Oh, you can tell of... he's religious, can't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Melting the ice caps of Jana with orbital thermal lances, drowning a significant portion of the entire planet's population. Jesus Christ. He would then go on record with several hour-long speeches that he would dictate, damning the corrupted state of the Imperium, demanding justice for everything that was going on. But he, he was, was doing nothing. it. Yeah. Additionally, because of his kind of behavior and the way that he worked in the navy, it actually became a generally well accepted practice for officers to murder their superiors in order to speed up promotion. Bruh. Like, not even assassinate, just straight up murder their superiors. If you could get it's away the... with it, you could become the captain. It's the fucking color of magic, man. <laughs> Bruh. Now, at some point during his whole thing, uh, with his like massive network of spies and cults and all of that shit, Vandaya came across a agri world. Like, uh, the entire planet was basically primarily farmland and agriculture, named San Leor. And specifically, there was a small cult, a small offshoot of the Ecclesiarchy and the Imperial Creed called the Daughters of the Emperor, which was like a, a convent or a church, basically, mm-hmm. uh, full of nuns, maybe like barely 500 members. And Vandaya was fucking furious, as he 
always was. So at first he was going to send people to exterminate the entire thing, and then he found out that the entire sect was only women. And then the sexism kicked in. Yes. Yes. Uh, who, basically, it was a church of warrior nuns called the Daughters of the Emperor. And Van Dyer saw this as an opportunity, ordered a ship to be ready, and announced that he would be making a public visit to the planet to visit the, the convent of the Daughters of the Emperor. I really, really want him to be murdered by them, but I know that's probably not how this is going to go. Unfortunately. Now, here's the thing. When Van Dyer was traveling, he would often make stops to, like, cities and planets and, like, to, to make parades and processions. And if they didn't have a parade ready for him by the time he arrived on his unannounced visit, he would kill the governor. Uh, tell me you're a megalomaniac were... without telling me you're a megalomaniac. Because obviously if they weren't able to get it ready fast enough between the time he arrived in orbit and landed, they were heretics and not pious enough. Oh, obviously, yeah. No. If they detected hey. him in orbit, that was. He landed on, on San Leor, and it's described as a mile-long procession that weaved its way through the, through the capital city of the planet towards the temple of the Daughters of the Emperor. They forced the entire population of the city to line the streets and show respect, Anyone who resisted or hesitated too, for too long was executed. Newborn babies, the elderly and the disabled, were forced to go. And the crowds were supplied with gold laurels and gifts to present to Van Dyer and to throw to him at gunpoint. Like, you had the main yeah, like avenue, you not... had the crowds either side of it with the gifts and the laurels, and then you had the soldiers behind them threatening to shoot them, and then you had a second rank of soldiers threatening to shoot the first rank if they didn't shoot the civilians for not being pious enough. Yikes. Yikes! The thing that is that I could actually see that happening in real life. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. the fucking uh, part. Like, you can actually see that happening. Mm, yeah. Basically, when he got to the to the temple, uh, the gates were shut, and a young girl from the temple kind of came outside and said, "You're not welcome here. We don't want you here." <laughs> yeah, <Let's laughs> the go! biggest bulls. Let's go. We love her. I know. She's gonna die. Please don't tell me she died. No, 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 no. Van Dyer was Van Dyer was fine. He was chill, like, all of- basically everyone in the procession behind them was, like, head in their hands. Oh, no! <laughs> because, like, that is a- that is a planetary exterminatus level offense. <laughs> he has wiped out solar systems for less, but he calmly stood up, turned to one of his- one of the regular soldiers in his procession, and told them to shoot him. <gasps> what? It took a little bit of convincing, but eventually the soldier drew his las pistol, loaded it, and shot Van Dyer in the chest. There was a, a flash of light, and Van Dyer was standing there with his arms outstretched, completely unharmed. To which he turned back to the church and said, Behold, for I am blessed by the Emperor. No harm can befall me, for I stand in God's light. <laughs> How did he make this happen. He was carrying something called a Rosarius, which is basically a small portable conversion field, which will transform incoming energy and high-velocity matter into heat and light. So, 
Well, guess these were not mass-produced or common knowledge. No, they are extremely, extremely, extremely rare, highly advanced, like, almost golden age level micro-sized force field technology. And he had one in, like, a- basically like a, a rosary bead form. Of fucking course he did. So he had a Rosarius. Now, obviously, no one knew about this. No one knew that he carried this except for him. And the daughters of the Emperor immediately saw that and they were like, this man is the prophet of God. We will now follow him with, like, absolute fanatical zealotry. He took them back to Terra, relocated their headquarters to the the Imperial Palace, and renamed them to the Brides of the Emperor. Ew. Uh it's 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 very it's never said explicitly i think but it is very heavily implied that there was a lot of really extremely fucked up psychosexual shit going on with van dyer and the the then brides of the emperor Mm-hmm. This this whole period is called the Age of Apostasy, by the way. Like, the entire time with the, the fighting between the Ecclesiarchy and the Administratum and everything that led up to it and the resulting kind of shit that started from it. This is all called the Age of Apostasy. The Brides of the Emperor were trained by the best soldiers, the Imperial Guard, given the best, most advanced weaponry. Like, they were armed with bolt guns. For comparison, the bolt gun is the standard issue firearm used by the Adeptus Astartes. If a regular civilian is found to be in possession of a bolt gun shell, let alone an actual bolt gun, that is typically an executable offense because they are considered holy relics. You know, I'm starting to think that there are a lot of executable offenses. There are! I'm starting to think this is fucking North Korea. Yeah, I mean, it's a dictatorship. What do you expect? They were his bodyguards, companions, servants, personal soldiers, his emissaries, his messengers, his... Well, he had other assassins, but also assassins. When they weren't fighting, they were by his side. They tasted his food, fed him when he was ill, nursed his frail body, and entertained him with singing, dancing, and, I quote, other more exotic skills. (laughs) Mm-hmm. At one point, the rest of the Ecclesiarchy, obviously, tried to assassinate Van Dyer, for obvious reasons, to which point they went to the, basically the Vatican, like the, the head of the Ecclesiarchy, locked the doors behind them, and came out after an hour carrying the severed heads of every single cardinal alive. Jesus fucking Christ! I feel mm. like this has happened a couple times before with the regular Vatican. Yeah, actually, it has. Yeah. Also, anyway. there were quite a few popes that did have very regular sexual escapades with not not just like nobility, but with sex workers. The Borgias. Fun fact. Their daughters. Borg- yeah. Fun fact. There is a fish and chip shop in Belfast, I think, called Borgia's Chips. I shit you not, it is owned by the actual Borgias. What the fuck? Like, before the Borgias became, like, the, the, the Catholic Church and the Vatican and everything, when they were, like, just a merchant empire, 
they happened to own like a small rest like pop like a small offshoot of the family like a cousin or something happened to own uh, a restaurant in Belfast and then like it's it, in modern day it's a fish and chip place but it is still owned by like actual descendants of the Borgias oh my which is God. so fucking funny that's hilarious that is so fucking hilarious I know <laughs> I wouldn't um, trust the fish and chips, though. Yeah, no. no. But I relatively recently had the realization that I'm very happy that I don't have any notable ancestors. I'm a distant relation to Bruce Forsyth. But in general, notable ancestors in history are not usually a good thing. No. No. But yeah, so you've got. 70 more, sorry, allow me to rephrase this, 70 more years of this bullshit after that. Oh, why can't it end? Mm. This is like Um, trying to wait for the older generation to die out so that we can quote-unquote fix the conservatism. It's not going to fucking work. That's not how it works. But yeah, the the entire time, the, the Imperial Palace was just like slowly decaying. The entire Imperium was like rotting, basically, because all of its resources were being funded towards like grander and grander statues and more and more like insane shit that Van Dyer was doing with throwing. It's It was like wholly entirely the Borgias. Like, he had a... He created quite the dire situation. A... Oh, stop a, it! <laughs> a paranoid fear, like a terror, uh, eventually that he developed of of sunlight. Um, Is he like, a fucking vampire? No, no. He just he was just completely fucking insane. With how filthy and decayed and decrepit and vast the palace was, he would be moving through it, screaming and ranting, like with a mobile torture bench for days on end, with his scribes and the sis- the daughter, the brides following him. Can can I make a completely bullshit theory right now? Shoot. <laughs> he probably eventually lost his mind enough that he thought that the sun was the light of the emperor shining down on his sins. You're not actually that far off. Let's go! Crazy <laughs> bullshit theories for the win. Yeah, you're not f- that far off. I will, I will get to that in a moment, though. With how filthy the palace was, like... There was no light in the palace, even during the day, from how caked in dirt the windows were. Like, entire windows of the palace collapsed. Bear in mind, the palace was built across the Himalayan mountain range. As in, the entire Himalayan mountain range was leveled to create a foundation for the Imperial Palace. Why? Back during the day of the Emperor. Why? Back his palace. It was the Imperial City. It's also where the Astronomicon is. It is also, like, the the centre of the Imperial government, basically. It's because it was... They fortified the entire thing. They turned the entire mountain range into a fortified citadel palace city with a population of several billion. Why? Didn't yeah. fucking help them with the whole demon incursion, though, did it? <laughs> yeah. God, you can imagine. Bear in mind, this pa- the palace was still on top of the ongoing demon incursion. Van Dyer was living on top of the ongoing demon incursion. <laughs> no wonder he's fucking insane. 
He's being yeah. tormented by not just his own insanity, but the demon's insanity as well. Yeah. Nug will eat your heart out in that palace, and Sunesh fucking loves the bride. Mm. Yeah. Eventually, he was ancient. He would he would have easily been like well over a hundred, hundred and thirty, hundred and fifty almost by the time he died. At least we're not entirely sure. Like I said, but. He was fucking ancient, pumped full of drugs, cybernetic augmentations to keep him alive, but that just drove him ever more fucking unstable and completely fucking had, insane. Had a consistent prescription for Viagra. <laughs> consistent prescription for Viagra, fucking... He was on testosterone and estrogen. He had to take his daily multivitamin. <laughs> yeah. What, see, his daily multivitamins, one... except it's every vitamin. Yeah, it's a multivitamin. Yeah. It's just like a suppository the size of a golf ball. Like <laughs> what see what they As really needed. Can't swallow anymore. The uh, the the Flintstones vitamin gummy was a lost technology that was destroyed during the golden age unfortunately, so No! Not the Flintstones <laughs> gummies. <laughs> However, at one point eventually a a messenger came bring a report from a world called Dimimar, all the way on the far side of the galaxy, basically. And Dimimar, the, the head of Dimimar, sorry, uh, or more specifically, the head of the sect of the church on Dimimar, was a man named Sebastian Thor. Can you, can you do me just one more favor? Like, two, two favors, please. Mm-hmm. Can you say Dimamar again? Dimamar. Can you do it another time? Dimamar. Thank you. <laughs> Sebastian Thor was a <laughs> a small town preacher on that planet. Uh, on Dimamar. No! And basically, <laughs> he had denounced High Lord Vandire as a traitor to humanity. No! This is fucking Martin Luther in the 95 Theses again! Yes! <laughs> he he denounced Van Dyer as a traitor to humanity and a traitor to God. Now, on quite Dimimar. obviously... On Dimimar! Now, obviously, this would have sent Van Dyer into a fucking apoplectic fucking spree. He went completely fucking insane. Okay? Completely fucking um, feral. Say again? Completely fucking feral. Yeah, completely fucking feral. The entire planet had revolted, basically, at the word of this, like, small-town preacher. For, like, a full month or so, is what it says, the High Lords of Terror kind of, like, went into a debate, because Sebastian Thor's name has started to spread quite quickly across the Imperium. I um, mean, his last name is Thor. Yeah, yeah. And he um, comes from Dimimar? Dimimar. Dimimar! <laughs> because within three months... 80 separate planets had fallen and declared allegiance to what was now being referred to as the Confederation of Light. Oh, oh really no. Not Confederation, is. not a confederacy. It's fine, it's not the Confederacy. It's I the know, Confederation of Light is, is good. It is a Confederacy. They could have picked a better name! That's fair. No, it's G Dubs. It's, it's G Dubs. I mean, there's the Federation in Star Trek. That's good. I thought you were trying to say that was a good name. Mm. I mean, the Fe- the Federation that- is a good name. The Federation is good. 
What's up with Starfleet? We don't have time to get into that conversation. Alright, but we are having a talk about this later on. 80 separate worlds had, like, within three months fallen to the Confederation of Light. There wasn't even fighting going on. Apparently, like, Sebastian Thor was just arriving on a planet, starting to talk, and people were just listening. Like, when the Pope went to Poland in the fucking... When it was still part of the Soviet Union. Maybe. I don't fucking know. I don't know shit about fucking Middle, like, Eastern European history. That was, like, a huge thing. Famously, the Pope went to Poland and held mass in the middle of a city center of Poland, and that is what really... One of the big things that really prompted Poland to want to extricate itself from the Soviet Union because they had been denied any sort of faith or religion as part of the Soviet Union. That makes sense. The thing is with Poland is they... The Polish identity revolves so strongly around religion, especially in Poland itself, because they have spent centuries being ripped apart and being controlled by one nation or another. The Polish nationality has been around a lot longer than Poland, the country. And the yeah. thing that yeah. held the thing that really truly held Poland together was religion. So they went hard into that. So that's why it's such a big deal. The Pope went there and held mass and that's what really pushed Poland over the edge. Because mm. someone had given them back their religion. And I may despise religion, but if it can help people then I'm not one to stop it yeah. until it starts harming others. Which is the, the issue. Yeah. yeah. But it did give the people something that they could hold on to, that they could have a community with, that they could support each other with, and that is what really supported that revolution, what really helped the people get through some very, very tough times after that in order to become what they are today. And I really respect that. I think that's very cool. I might personally not be the biggest fan, but it's something that, especially as someone who is of several different colonized descents, it's very important to be aware of because both sides of my family have... I am white. I am very aware that I'm white, but my brand of white people are the white people that other white people colonized. Mm. Let's go. You thought you came here for a Warhammer podcast. Hmm? You've actually come here for a history lesson. The two are inexplicably linked. Which is ironic seeing as Warhammer is set in 40k! But also, I recently saw a infographic about the percentage of people who emigrated from Europe to the Americas and like they're consequently the population who are of those descent outside of their host countries. Ireland obviously has a couple hundred percent increase of population outside of Ireland itself, but one of the next highest percentages for population outside of is Poland and I can completely understand why considering those two nations were so heavily colonized and just ripped apart by other countries and other nationalities within their areas that in order to preserve what they could of their own histories faiths religions any of that it made sense for them to leave so that they would not be 
oppressed the same way again. Most obviously, like, most recently because of fucking World War Two. like, in Bristol, like, just up the street, there is an entire neighbourhood that was built as, like, emergency immigration housing for Polish refugees during World War Two. Yeah. Shit like that. Like, there is a lot of it in and around the place. In my hometown, we have a massive, massive, massive portion of, like, Polish families. Because it was really a very nice. big area for moving, like, in, during the war. In Trowbridge, at one point, there were three different Eastern European supermarkets. And they didn't care who the fuck you were if you were going into the buy sales. I like they, And it's so much better than just going to, like, Tesco's or something. Because you really do feel like you're supporting a community, even mm. if you're not necessarily part of it. It was just so nice going in there and shopping. Mm-hmm. Like, visiting the the Asian supermarket in town, they, they shit like that has such good ingredients, man, that mm-hmm. you just don't get in, like, a, a regular fucking mainstream supermarket. And you also you know that you're supporting the people who run it who are more likely to be local to you rather than just a mega corporation or a chain which doesn't actually care about you. Speaking of, it is perfectly okay to steal from mega corporations. It is not okay under any situation to steal from mom and pop shops. If it's a chain, it's free game, baby. Yeah. Uh, Back back to topic. (laughs) I'm glad we have had this discussion. It's very applicable. Hmm. But basically, quite obviously, uh, the neither the ecclesiarchy nor the administratum nor Vandaya particularly liked that this was going on. Hmm. So that. yeah, I shopping. Why. That's that's very. It's almost surprising. like the people in power didn't like you, and their power was challenged. Hmm. What they did was they mobilized the entirety of the Templar Fraternus, which is the military wing of the Ecclesiarchy, basically. It is the, sorry, the Fraternus Templars. They are the combined arms forces of the Ecclesiarchy, and in numbers, they almost, they didn't rival the Imperial Guard, because the Imperial Guard is unfathomably fucking big. That is their entire thing. There are almost as many Imperial Guardsmen as there are Tyranids, which is saying something. <laughs> Damn. There are a hell Imperial of a lot of guards them. are the ones with the wheelbarrows, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, when you join yeah. the Guard, you get given four things. You get given the Imperial Guardsman's handy primer, which is also more commonly referred to as toilet paper, which is your little handbook. You get given your... Standard issue combat shovel. You get given your standard issue las gun, also referred to as a slightly more powerful flashlight, and you get given your standard issue wheelbarrow for carrying your two hundred pound solid brass bollocks. I I could have sworn one of those was just a cardboard shirt, or referred to as a cardboard shirt. That's it. Yeah, you get given your cardboard shirt, not a fucking shovel. The shovel's a Krieg thing. You get given your cardboard shirt, also referred to as standard issue high quality gar- Astra Militarum flak armor. Why did I remember that? <laughs> I got the joke wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> why did I? Why am I the one who got that? <laughs> so yeah, the the Fraternus Templars want 
as big as the guard, but they are still the largest, like, by by numbers, by manpower, they were the largest military force in the galaxy, I think, second to the guard. Um, like, the Astartes are a relatively incredibly small force. They were designed to be big, but not massive, because they were designed to be strong! Exactly. There is believed to be around a thousand chapters of a thousand, so there is around a million Astartes in the entire galaxy. That's it. Roughly. Could be more, could be less. Yeah, could be more, could be less, but around Could be more, could be less, considering some factions don't follow the fucking rules, Russ! (laughs) So, you have the entire, like... (laughs) Fraturus Templar that they are able to spare. That will be important later, actually. The entire Fraturus Templar is important to spare. And they are all mobilized to go to the far side of the galaxy to wipe out the Confederation of Light, to raise the traitor worlds to ash, and to brutally murder Thor, and then bring him back to Terra so that he can be resurrected, tortured, and then murdered again publicly. Just showing up, knocking on his door, being like, hey, you want to get murdered? The entire... Hey, do you have a moment to talk about our lord and savior, the fucking emperor? <laughs> the entire war fleet was wiped out in a warp storm the first time it left port. <laughs> oh. What the fuck? That is divine intervention if I've ever seen it. What the fuck? The the first warp jump that the fleet makes from the from the the head mustering base on Clax, the entire fleet is wiped out to a man, to a ship. Not a single pod makes it out. All I can imagine Holy is the Emperor shit. watching this happen is just like, because he's not dead, dead. But like, yeah. the ghost of the Emperor watching this happening and being like, you know what? I'll just relax for a couple minutes. Let there be a warp storm. <laughs> oh no, my friend. Quite the opposite. <laughs> because this keeps happening. Yo. As in, for the entire time, for Thor's entire pilgrimage, the entire... It's not even a war. You can't call it a war, because every single vessel that launches against Thor and his Confederation of Light is destroyed to a man. Everything. His fleet faces not a single disturbance or a single delay in their travel. They have a straight shot of perfectly smooth sailing the entire way, and everything raised against them is annihilated before it gets anywhere near. The... Not a war because they can't fucking meet! Yeah! (laughs) Very much... This very much feels like the Spanish or whoever the fuck trying to invade the UK and then getting annihilated by fucking storms in the channel. Yeah, the... or when some, uh, I think it was China who tried to invade Japan and then got caught in a typhoon. <laughs> that entire Yeah. Time. So the, the Patanova, who is the head of the navigators, if you remember like quite how, how I made it out, how fucking valuable and how powerful the navigators guild is. 
Mm-hmm. Did they lose a lot of people? Obviously, they lost a lot of people, but the Patanova, the head of the navigators, the most powerful navigator alive, and therefore one of the most powerful people in the galaxy, dubbed Sebastian Thor, he gave him the title of Abstracta Priomnis, Master oh. of the Warp. Oh! Oh, that's one hell of a name to come from that person! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Damn. So basically, Thor makes his leisurely stroll across the entire galaxy without firing a single shot, wiping out the Ecclesiarchy's entire army. On his way, he picks up the assistance of Gastaf Hedatrix, the current Fabricator General of Mars, as well as the several separate entire chapters of Astartes, including the Imperial Fists and the Black Templars. The Imperial Fists are the founding chapter of Rogal Dawn, and the Black Templars are the largest successor chapter of the Imperial Fists, one of the original success chapters during like the second founding following the heresy. They are infamous for fucking hating each other. But they work together. Yeah, they work together on this because the Imperial Fists very much follow Dawn's kind of by-the-book attitude, and the Black Templar, on the other hand, have almost 3,000 Battle Brothers being significantly in excess of the Codex, and well known for being quite possibly the most zealously fanatical chapter in the Imperium. Which is saying like, something. Yeah, which is saying something. Like Most space marines don't directly believe that the Emperor is a god. They believe that he is an incredibly powerful man because their nature is partial clones of the Emperor, so on and so forth. And like their nature in relation to the Primarchs. No, they fully believe that he is a god. Oh no. So he picks up his entire army, the entire Adeptus Mechanicus, a very significant portion of the Space Marines, all of the worlds that have been joining him on the way. (laughs) Every single reinforcement and support that tries to go to Terra to help support Vandaya in the siege is annihilated. (laughs) Oh my god, so support can't even get to Terra! Oh my god, yes! Cue the biggest battle on Terra since the siege of the Sol system at the end, at the pinnacle of the heresy. Oh my god. All of these forces coming together, sieging the Imperial Palace, and basically the entire Imperial Palace with Vandire at its heart being held and and basically being held supported by just the brides at this point, basically. And I'm unsure how long it went on for, but eventually the the Adeptus Custodes, because the Custodes had been entirely neutral in all of this so far, the the Captain Commander of... Sorry, the Commander General of the Custodes went to Alicia Dominica, who at the time was the head of the Brides. Dominica sounds like a familiar name. I believe I've mentioned her before. Alicia Dominica is one of the most badass people in, the, in, in history. Basically, better be. damn right, the commander general of the Custodes went to Dominica and said, this is madness, it is time for this to stop. To which she said, no, I am devout, I am, my, my lord Vandaya is the voice of the emperor, we will not abandon his side, we will fight to the bitter end. The Custodes 
asked Dominica to come with them so that they could show them something. And she said, I will let you show me something, but my, my faith is strong, my belief is unshakable. The Custodes were the only ones who knew every single hidden pathway and passage of the entire palace. And they led Dominica and two of her closest sisters of battle through the hidden back passages of the palace to the throne room of the emperor themselves, where the emperor's body is still interred upon the golden throne. Dominica entered the throne room alone and left a short time later. She took her two sisters, went back to Van Dyer's inner sanctum, and cut off his head. <laughs> Let's go! Yes! Let's go! And uh, I quote, it is believed that his last words were, I can't die, I've got too much work to do. Interestingly enough, That's for fucking... some reason, at the last moment, his Rosarius failed. Talk about flat armor. Do you want to know why I find that sentence quite so concerning? Hmm. Lord Ruler. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That, that concern. She, she, here we here we are, I found the quote I was looking for. She went to Van Dyer's inner chamber, where he stood alone with his galactic map, feverishly barking out orders to commanders and scribes who had long since abandoned him. She pronounced him a traitor. You have committed the ultimate heresy. Not only have you turned your back on the Emperor and stepped from his light, you have profaned his name and almost destroyed everything he has striven to build. You have perverted and twisted the path he had laid for mankind to tread. As your own decrees have stated, there can be no mercy for such a crime, no pity for such a criminal. I renounce your lordship. You walk in darkness and cannot be allowed to live. Your sentence has long been overdue, and it is now time for you to die. I have fucking goose pimples. I love her. Following this, the sieging forces were peacefully allowed into the palace. Sebastian Thor was declared the new ecclesiarch, returned power of the administratum to the to the administratum, and moved a very significant portion of the ecclesiarchy's power away from Terra back to its its previous headworld of Ophelius Seven. One of the most important changes of this, besides the not full separation of church and state, but separation of church and state is that something called the Decree Passive was formed, which is a major law, basically like an amendment-level law, made by Sebastian Thor, which declared that the Ecclesiarchy could bear no men under arms. <laughs> I know where this goes. And it was with the exact loophole... <laughs> Thor yeah. complied with this entirely, but it was with the exact loophole to this that all military functions of the Ecclesiarchy were disbanded except for one, the newly reverted Daughters of the Emperor, who were now renamed to the Orders Militant of the Adepta Sororitas, aka the Sisters of Battle, as being women under arms, they did not violate the decree passive. <laughs> Let's go. This is some Lord of the Rings, I am no man bullshit. <laughs> yes! 
I love that. I love that so much. That is so fun. Uh, I hate what led up to it, but I love the result. Mm, Sebastian Thor reigned then as the most successful and I believe most well-loved ecclesiarch in history. Brought a lot of like balance, order, and stability back to the government and really, really kind of helped fix everything. It is also believed... No, not even believed. His severed head is currently in the possession of Treason the Infinite. That checks. That fucking checks. Fucking Treason. I fucking love Treason. Fuck Treason. <laughs> Wait. Whose severed head is held by the Collector dude? Sebastian's. <laughs> Why is his head severed? I don't know. Basically, they... He, he took the position of Ecclesiarch. Ah, sorry. Allow me to rephrase that. After the death of Vandaya, the Captain General of the Custodes took Thor aside and whispered a single message in his ear. No one heard what he said. It is commonly thought that he threatened Thor with death if he refused to take the position of Ecclesiarch. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that is valid. That is so fucking valid. I understand they didn't want to repeat. Yeah. He took the position on a number of conditions that he could freely travel across the galaxy, have the unswerving backing of the High Lords of Terror, and make whatever changes to the Holy Synod that he saw fit. The High Lords of Terror agreed, for between the 292nd Ecclesiarch, and for the better part of the next century, he worked tirelessly on reforming the Imperium, including if establishing the Synod Mistra on Aphelia Seven, disbanding completely and officially the Frateris Templars, officially orchestrating the Adeptus Sororitas, not just the Sisters, the Order Militant, but also the other orders. The Order Militant is just the Sisters of Battle of the Adeptus Sororitas. All Sisters are part of the Adeptus Sororitas, but not all members of the Adeptus Sororitas are Sisters of Battle. A lot of them are things like the Orders Hospitalia, which are like basically medics, surgeons who travel across the galaxy doing good like that. There's the Orders Dialogus, who are linguists, translators, archivists, things like that. The Orders Familus, who are governors, advisors, messengers, ambassadors, diplomats, stuff like that. There's a lot of different subsects of the sisters, they're not all soldiers, although it is very common for sisters to relatively regularly move from order to order, especially if it is a sister from the order militant who's either too injured or now too old to serve on the front lines, she'll typically retire to one of the non-combat orders. Why Why is Sebastian for Pope Celestine V? I know, right? After leaving Terra at the end of the Reign of Blood, Thor only ever returned to Terra once at the age of 112, where he died six months later. He was like, yo, I want to I wanna retire, and they were like, we can make that happen. I think he just finally died naturally. Like, he felt oh like he'd God, done enough he... work. He's literally Pope Celestine V. Yeah. Why? Why is he literally the fucking five-month Pope? Except he lived, he was he was ecclesiarch for about a century, just under. Yeah, yeah, but Pope Celestine V was a monk who wrote a letter to. Oh, I know this guy. Yeah, Pope Celestine V was a monk who wrote a letter to the papal election before they had the conclave because they had a two-year impasse because they couldn't decide who to vote because I think they had 
just come from fucking Benedict. Mm. Um, One of them. Yeah, but the the main issue. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Uh, he wrote a letter which was basically like, if you don't make a decision, God is going to smite you all. And they were like, hey, this guy's got balls. So they elected him Pope. He didn't want to be Pope, but they elected him Pope. He ruled for five months. In that time, he made one change, and that was... Popes uh, can retire. <laughs> yeah. He made the he made the one change, which was, I want to be able to retire, so I'm going to make it so that Popes retire. Because up until that point, there was no law that allowed Popes to abdicate. <laughs> yeah. They had to serve until death. He makes the rules that he wants to resign. They then ask him, what do you want to do? And then he goes, I resign! Fuck you guys! Fucks off back to his fucking hermit lifestyle. And then Boniface VIII came along the scene, imprisoned him because they thought Boniface was crazy and was concerned that someone would instate Celestine as an anti-pope against Boniface and he died in prison at the age of 81. We Boniface VIII may or may not have killed killed him. We don't actually know for sure. Hmm. But yeah, that's... He was the last Celestine. The last Celestine? Yeah, we haven't had a a Pope Celestine since. That's really interesting because it's someone that I've definitely mentioned before at some point is Saint Celestine as in a character named Saint Celestine mm. uh, so here's a here's a fun so we've actually talked remarkably little about the sisters but we, we can do like a proper episode on the sisters this is more much more like the age of apostasy so a fun fact about the sisters is that a lot of the time one of their main mechanics is that Shit just happens. And it's it's the way it's phrased is like they have such unwavering intense belief in the Emperor, like with Sebastian Thor, like that those warp storms were most likely actually the Emperor's will, creating those warp storms to enable Thor to bring down Vandaya, like that is one of the few direct things that we can realistically pin down. Yeah, that's that's actually them acting. The sisters, where they have so much intense fanatical belief. I have mentioned this before, with uh with the fall of Cadia. When the warp was pushed back and the Blackstone Pylons were activated, Celestine lost her powers. Yes. Yes, because where they have so much devout fanatical belief in the Emperor, it effectively acts as if they're drawing from the power of a warp god, the warp god in this instance being the Emperor. Uh, There is actually a Saint Celestine character, basically the the Sororitists have things called Living Saints, which is they will have a regular sister who at some point during their life basically just turns into a fucking angel. Like, you've, you've seen the art of Celestine. I probably have. Uh, I, I showed it to you last time. She is literally an angel in, like, golden armor and with, like, She's wings gorgeous. made of light and shit. Celestine, 
has died many times, but occasionally she just shows back up. It's believed, like, the Living Saints will possess the body of a willing sister, and then they will just become a fucking Living Saint. That's actually very cool. Yeah, shit like that. We can have a, we can have a proper, proper episode on the sisters another time, though. I think it's about time we wrap this up, though. That is the Age of Apostasy and the most evil man in the history of the Imperium. <laughs> Thanks again to everyone for joining us. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's been lovely to have you here. Feel Check free to... Check out our Patreon, our TikTok, our Facebook page if you dare to use that. Check out the Patreon. You can get into the Tea Time with Heretics Discord. You can come and hang out with us, talk, uh, you'll get access to some of the unedited full-length videos with extended rambling from us. Pictures of Bing's cat, fan art when we start posting it. Have a lovely evening, everyone. See ya! May the sisters never betray you.